You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. So what's, what's your favorite animal fact? It's a serious question. This, and, and the reason I ask this is because it's a very important question in my household and you see my son's hand up, it's first. Uh, go ahead, Oliver. A flying snake flies. How does a flying snake fly? They basically compress their body. They compress their body so they're flat like a kite. That's amazing. That is a great fact. Theo, you got one too? Yeah. What is the wombat's poop A wombat's poop is shaped like a cube. That's true. Anybody else? Favorite animal fact? Doesn't have to be so unique as those ones. But you're good, you're good. <laughs> John. Spiders are good because they eat the other buds. That's a good one. Anybody else favorite animal fact? Cooper, what do you know about animals? Oh, that's Cooper? I meant Griffin. Griffin might say something. Cats scratch people because they have foot claws. Yes, these are animal facts, y'all. This is really important. We got you, Oliver. Here's mine. My favorite animal fact is that elephants can swim. Did you know this? No, I thought they would Maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't, but it's incredible to, to me that a four-ton creature is even buoyant. But this is true. It's not, it's not even irregular behavior for an elephant to go swimming like in the ocean. Some scientists believe that long ago, elephants may have swam the 40 miles from the Indian mainland to Sri Lanka. I put the map on there so you could see the island of Sri Lanka, how it's off the, the southern tip of, of India. And I think that this is crazy. What would possess an animal like an elephant to swim for it through the ocean? I'm imagining that first group of elephants that came to the edge of India, and they waded into the surf. And let's just, let's just assume this is how it happened because actually other scientists believe that perhaps the archipelago that Sri Lanka is connected to India by was actually at one point an isthmus. Isthmus, that's a fun word and hard word to say. Uh, even, even, as, even as recently as the 1400s, they, they called it Adam's Bridge or uh, Rama's Bridge if you speak Hindu. Adam is our story. They had another story. Anyway, but let's just assume that the elephants, they're swimming for it to Sri Lanka, okay? They, they can see that there's... <laughs> My favorite animal fact is that a squirrel just threw an apple at us. <laughs> no, no, back to the elephants. So they're at the edge. The elephants are at the edge of India. They wade into the surf. And, 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 and they're, they're, they're saying to themselves, just and imagine elephants have this kind of internal monologue. Um, we know how to swim, they said, but we've never swam that far. We can see there that there's land out there across the ocean. And this land over here is getting crowded. We need more food. We need more. To, uh, we need to move on to what's next. But can we swim that far? Will the current be too strong? Will the little ones make it? 
Will there be food there in that land we can see? Is it possible? This is the type of uncertainty that is par for the course when you start working with God. Uh, see that little segue I just did there? Not talking about animals anymore, we're talking about God. Um, we say in Circle of Hope that we are called to move with what the Spirit is doing next. And the next thing is not always easy to do or even to see. It, it takes a disciplined ear and an openness to the Spirit to discern what actually is next with the Spirit as opposed to just what, what's the next thing that's happening to me. It's, it's often a lot easier to settle into what is or just what's gonna, what's inevitable or just, you know, come what may. But to purposefully change and to go and move with something new, it meets a lot of resistance every time we do it. Change meets resistance. So moving with, with something that is next requires a lot of faith. But God is relentless. Even when we relent, God does not. God is constantly calling us forward into something new. This is God's M.O. This is how God does. God's calling us into some new territory, some new cell, some new team, some new experience. God is the opposite of static. And I think this is because the world is just so complex. And God is forever gauging our actions and the way things are going and responding and needing us to respond. We see it time and time again in the Bible. There's an elephant swimming from India to Sri Lanka type of leap that's occurring. And that's kind of how God is always relating to people. Did you figure out my, my puzzle that I put out? The, uh, the Vanna White Wheel of Fortune thing? It's on, the, it's on there, somebody call it out. It's a before and after. Yes, we are called we are moving with moving with what is next to impossible. I love the before and afters. So we got we got these cuz we've got these kind of two ideas. Next to impossible, which is like I'm not going to try that. And then we're called to move with what is next. We're moving with what is next. We one of our proverbs that we have these communally discerned convictions is that we are we are called to move with what the spirit is doing next. And uh on this day that we remember how Jesus ascended into heaven, I think it's, it's the right day to remember that we are God's plan A. We're not like, God doesn't like suffer our foolishness or have, you know, some other better idea that, that God's doing like behind the scenes and it doesn't really matter what we do. No, God, God's plan is to work with us to transform the world and to, to respond to how the world is working. God's redemption project for the world from the get-go includes us. That was the plan. We are the presence of the future which Jesus began in us. We are what's next in one sense. We can't help but move with what the Spirit is, is doing next because we are what's next. Even when we get stuck in what was, or can't imagine that anything like the future would be true. 
So if we're working on what's impossible or next to impossible, I think we may as well get to the, the, to the main impossibility in the Bible, the elephant in the room of Christianity, which is the resurrection. That's the main before and after that makes all the difference in history, and it's one of the hardest things to accept because only one person has ever done it. Do you know that feeling when you're watching uh, Vanna turn the, the letters, and 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 you're you're just so close, you're just like, oh, I know, I, I, it's obviously that word, and then what what is the first word, and then and then the person guesses it, and you're like, of course, of course, that's what it was. Yeah, this is nothing like that. This is nothing like that. The resurrection is nothing like that. It, there is no of course to it. And even now, 2,000 years later, when we've been living under the, the power of this story, we must confess that the resurrection is not on the tip of our tongues a lot of the time. It's a profound mystery. It's this deep puzzle that can't really ever get figured out. I think we must live it out. We don't just accept it as true. We live it into reality, a reality that impacts us. So it gets deeper into our bones. Until we are resurrection people, the resurrection never works. It doesn't do anything unless it's something that, that we have made a part of our life. Uh, it works best to accept our calling as God's plan A because then we can begin to know this kind of deeper kind of knowing. We kind of feel our way into it. This this mystery that becomes more and more like the the, the air we breathe or the, the blood in our veins. It requires poetry to understand. I can't just say, yeah, resurrection, you know? Of course. It's not a puzzle. It's something that we live into with the spirit. Um, it's, it's this why that remains even as we do it. But that tension, holding that tension between, huh? And okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna live as if this is true. There's a deeper kind of knowing in that. There's a knowledge in that. So we are moving with what is next and what is next to impossible. But God is with us. Nothing is impossible with God. Being resurrection people is living as though that were true. And thankfully, our lives present plenty of opportunities that demand a creative leap. Like you're gonna have to swim to Sri Lanka in your life, okay? Do you feel stuck sometimes? <laughs> That's an of course. Well, yeah, of course I do. I feel stuck. Do you feel stuck a lot? I do. And every time, it's an opportunity to move with what is next. The disciples felt stuck too. You know the, who the disciples are, they're Jesus' right-hand people. When they got to the empty tomb, when the, when the resurrection was staring them in the face, even after Jesus had told them it would happen, they're stuck there staring at the grave clothes that Jesus left behind. They don't get to the empty tomb and they, and they just like put two and two together and say, of course, he rose from the dead. That's, that's impossible. But angels come to help him, help them out. Here it is, Luke 24, six, and, six through eight. Why do you look for the living among the dead? 
These are angels talking to them. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And when Jesus ascends into heaven, after he had been appearing to hundreds of people for 40 days and preparing them for his departure, he disappears into the clouds after giving them his final instructions. And again, it's not their first move to just like move with what's next. Okay, let's go do what he just told us to do. Put all his teaching into practice. Again, they need angels help. This is Acts 1, 10 through 11. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood before them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The disciples need help both times. What's next is not really that apparent. It's kind of crazy stuff. It's a deeper mystery. And we don't get angels that often to help us, though I do believe that angels do help us. But we, we do always have the Spirit. Uh, next week, we're going to celebrate Pentecost, when the church first received the Holy Spirit and the work of being witnesses to the resurrection kind of really began. Uh, we call it the birthday of the church. We'll have sparklers to celebrate here. Uh, before Jesus ascended into the clouds, he gave his disciples instructions to go to Jerusalem and wait for the gift his father would send them. And the gift was the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the comforter, the one who walks beside them, the one who now walks beside us. We're called to move with what the Spirit is doing next. And this, you know, this deep mystery, this puzzle, is not something we have to figure out on our own. We listen to the Spirit in community. We do our best to, to, to take what we learn from Jesus in Scripture and apply it to our life together. And the best way to know, this is, I, I feel this so deeply in my heart and it's hard to explain, so let's keep talking about it for a long time, but the best way to know is to do what Jesus said. To, to walk like he walked, to love like he loved. And it's a different kind of knowing. You feel stupid sometimes when you're doing it. Paul said, okay, we're foolish. You know, if we're out of our minds, it's for your sake. This life doesn't compute. And, and it's not like we had, the, what we could do was just get all high and mighty with our new ethic. And we could say like, I know the right thing. You know, I have a new righteousness. And it's, it, it looks like Matthew 5 through 7. That's uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And we could get real doctrinaire about that and condemn everyone for not loving their enemies. That's not how it works. And, in, and, and, and I think that we do that kind of thing because we don't want to move with what the Spirit is doing next. We want to turn everything into a dinosaur museum and have bones of what Jesus said or what the early church did and say, hey, look at those. We don't want to have a living relationship with Jesus that requires newness now because the world is totally different. We can't figure it out. It doesn't make sense. There are new challenges. Jesus sent us to here, to now. 
Otherwise, he would have come back like he promised he would already. There must be something now that we are to do that, could, that couldn't have been done yesterday. Otherwise, he would have ended it all. We must act our way into this life with Jesus. One writer said, and I, I like this, we, we make the path by walking. I think that's how it is. We're standing at the edge of the water, lumbering in, you know? Here we go. So when you're at the tomb, you know, imagine yourself there at the tomb, and you're, you're, you're often at the tomb in your life. You're staring at death, which is a common practice of mine. How can we miss it? Uh, it's easy to get stuck there, to just stare into the tomb and not know what to do. This week, we've got war in Gaza and COVID going crazy in India to help us feel like death will always win. We could get stuck in that. But there's also probably enough in your own life to feel stuck. Enough feeling, enough, enough stuff that feels like death to just kind of get stuck. There could be actual death, grief and loss, recent and long ago, and regular uh, feelings that feel like death, um, that make it hard to get up in the morning sometimes or, or, or keep your fears, the, these, these feelings that keep there, our fears in the driver's seat because it's too painful to confront them and, and fear kind of drives us around unknowingly. Don't count yourself out because of your past, the ways that you've been dead, even the ways that you still feel dead right now. Don't count yourself out. Turn away from the tomb. Turn away from death. It's empty. Death is dead. What if that were true? I believe it is, y'all. Splash into the waves. And when you're staring into the sky, wondering what anything means, considering what's next, but kind of paralyzed by the prospect of what it could mean if you participated in the nextness of your future, if you had some agency to go with what is next, if you had some, some power to determine how it might go. Don't count yourself out because you've already concluded about what's gonna happen. Maybe your plans or expectations weren't that great. Maybe there's something better or maybe you what you think would be best actually isn't that great. When it's not working out like you planned, there's probably a different direction. Can you hold the specifics of your future kind of lightly? If your ultimate future is actually held more secure in Christ than you could ever make it on your own? If Jesus is sure about you and who you are, does that make it easier to be less sure? I think it does, y'all splash in. Come on, we're going to Sri Lanka. So I've said it a few times in various ways, but let's see if Malcolm Geith can kind of bring it home or, or say it better in 14 lines in a poem that I could in all these words that I've said. Maybe the spirit will work better in this poem than in my words. You can read along with these with this poem at circleofhope.net slash Newton Lake Park. And it's how I'm gonna end our prayer. This is his his poem called Ascension. 
about that moment and what's happening in it. And uh, it'll be a prayer. I'll pray at the end and then you can talk back. We saw his light break through the cloud of glory whilst we were rooted still in time and place. As earth became a part of heaven's story and heaven opened to his human face. We saw him go and yet we were not parted. He took us with him to the heart of things. The heart that broke for all the brokenhearted is whole and heaven-centered now and sings. Sings in the strength that rises out of weakness. Sings through the clouds that veil him from our sight. Whilst we ourselves become his cloud of witness and sing the waning darkness into light. His light in us and ours in him concealed which all creation waits to see revealed. Pray with me. Here we are with creation, Lord, waiting to see you revealed in ways that we expect and many ways that we don't. Thank you for these singing voices that join in your song this morning. Thank you for allowing your heart to be broken with us, that we may trust you with all our cares, confident that you know, and trusting in your power to make our life secure, even beyond death. Take us into the heart of things. We long for deeper understanding and new kinds of understanding that we don't yet understand. May we be a part of heaven's story and continue to love the human faces that you put into our life, including our own. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.